0: Let us go to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read a couple passages from Luke's narrative, Mike already took some of it, (laughs) and tonight's message is called The Sound of Music, and we're going to look, I'm sorry, that's a movie, The Sound of Christmas. You know where I got it from now, right? <laughs> so, the sound of Christmas from Luke chapter 1. Um, we're going we're gonna to read, pray, and dive into it. So, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, in, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary in verse 46 said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humblest state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now some time passes and John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, is born. And in verse 67, we see John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the Forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then Luke 2 verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And then, in chapter 2, verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple... And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Now, this is a man named Simeon in the temple. Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, and Simeon takes him in his arms, and this is what he begins to utter. Verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Let us pray. Father, forbid that familiarity would keep us from the reality and the mystery of what happened at your son's birth. I pray that nativity scenes and Christmas songs and gifts and trees and lights and cheer and joy would all have more meaning because of what you speak to our hearts tonight. That this would not just be a repeat of Christmas of the past, but, Lord, that this year it would be a fresh Christmas. It would be as if we had never celebrated Christmas. And that, Lord, every year from here, it would be a a Christmas for the present, a Christmas for that year, a Christmas for now, And Lord, you know where we're all at, and you know what we all need, and you you know what we all have. And I pray that this Christmas, you would meet each home, each family, and each heart exactly where we are, with exactly what we need. God, we yearn more for the gifts of your grace than any possession we can inherit from man. So I pray that you would be abundant, That your fount would not stop flowing. Streams of mercy never ceasing into our hearts this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I read for you four different passages. And you'll see why those four are selected. Luke has a very particular strain here in his Christmas story. Well, you guys might know the song that goes like this. I'm not gonna sing. <laughs> the hills are alive with the sound of music. Well, Luke would say unto you tonight, the earth is alive with the sound of Christmas. At Christmas has a sound, it has a distinct ring to it. And this is what Luke wants to portray to us is what do you hear at Christmas time? Well, we're very keen on what we see and what we get, and, and the whole like, wrapping everything to look pretty and decorating the house and the lights and the tree and a lot of sights to see. And, you know, businesses know that you're a consumer and they want you to gr- lure you in with what they see through commercials and ads and the windows in the malls. And... But Luke wants us to hear Christmas. The earth is alive with the sound of Christmas. Now, in The Sound of Music, we have a very familiar story, right? We have the Trapp family. And Captain Von Trapp, he is a widower. His wife had died, and he has seven children of all different ages, and he is doing his best to raise these children. In fact, the only way he knows how, he's the captain of a ship, so he rules his house like the captain of a ship. And you see him blow the whistle, and all the kids stand in perfect, you know, in line, and they're they're dressed up in their uniforms, and they're disciplined, and they're well behaved, and they, you know, they command everything. Like he whistles in a certain way, and each child knows what to do, and who's to respond, and everything is ordered, and it's structured, and it's tidy, and it's fit. And they go through governess after governess who helps the children with their lessons while Captain Von Trapp is doing his important stuff. And one day, a new governess comes in. Her name is Maria. And Maria loves to sing, as we know. And she is struck as soon as she comes in by this rigorous Captain Von Trapp and blowing the whistle and children, you know, being treated like machines. And I expect you to do this when I tell you. And, oh, she's, she does not know what she's in for. And neither do the children and neither does Captain Von Trapp. You see, as soon as Captain Von Trapp goes away, she teaches them how to sing. Do, re, mi, and so forth. And it comes about in the story that Captain Von Trapp is on leave for a whole month. He's gone, and Maria's got full audience with these seven well-disciplined children. And immediately, the uniforms come off, puts them in normal clothes, clothes that kids should wear, have fun in, get dirty in, and go out and play, and take a rest from the school books every now and then. And when Captain Von Trapp returns from his trip, you might remember that the children come roughhousing and playhorsing into the room and they're dressed up in like old curtains or whatever she made for them. And he's furious. Why are they not in their uniforms? Why are they not at their studies? Why is there chaos and anarchy in my house? And, you know, he's, he's yelling, he takes Maria out and he scolds her and tells her, you know what, it's time for you to leave. You're not the right fit for us. And as she apologizes to him, This conversation, this tense moment is interrupted by the sound of the seven children singing that the hills are alive with the sound of music in the next room. And Captain Von Trapp melts. He hears something that he hasn't heard since his wife died. And he runs to his children and he joins in song with them and he embraces them and you know there's crying and there's this this moment of something that was lost is found and he thanks maria and he asks her to stay he says to her thank you for bringing music back into this house And music died in Captain Von Trapp's family, his house, his life, when his wife died. Something hard had happened, and there was a separation, There's a break. And the music, this, this joy, this life, this love, it died away. The song ended. The notes could no longer be played. And now everything was all about the law, the rule, the line, black and white. Get in order now upon my whistle. And the only music that was heard was the harsh sound of the whistle. One single note. A harsh, shrill sound. But Maria brings something that was lost. She revives, she resurrects the dead song. And the family returns to this wholeness, this happiness. This Maria was essentially... She was Christmas to the Trap family. And that's what Luke is inviting us to hear. The sound of Christmas and what that can bring into a life and has brought into the world. Music is all over the Bible. I thought about taking us to all these passages and I'm like, this is just Overwhelming, all the music. I mean, you got the Psalter alone, and then you got the other narratives. And let's suffice it to say this in our culture, Music can be used for so many things, and it evokes so many emotions, right? You're watching a movie, and there's a scary scene. Music can be used to intensify the scariness and the suspense. You're like, ah, you know, that's the clashing notes. of so like two violins are playing, and like, no, or Jaws, the two bass notes. And um. <laughs> Music is also used in our society as a way of... Anger, an outlet of anger and depression. And you know, you've got some sounds in music that's, you're like, I don't feel like a better person for hearing that. (laughs) And there's just different ways that music is used in our culture. But in the Bible, where we see music used, it's always, 99% of the time, it's used in celebration and joy. You hear Um, David, as he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem, and what is is leading the Ark to Jerusalem? It's the sound of cymbals and and instruments and music and praise, and David is dancing before it. Deborah, that, that woman, as she leads Israel into victory against Israel's armies, she, upon victory, writes a song and sings it for the nation. Moses and Miriam, after they cross the Red Sea and the Egyptians are back there, drowning in the water, they are celebrating what God had done on their behalf. And Miriam even gets out the tambourine and dances and leads the nation into celebration. And often in the Psalter, this is clap your hands, O you nations. Grab an instrument and praise our great God because he is the king of the world and nobody else is. Praise him. Come on, join with me. Come to the temple with me to the God, the house of our greatest joy. And there's a celebration everywhere. Music is the organization... Of notes, like do re mi fa so la ti da, however it goes, <laughs> and you can have all of these notes thrown at you, and what you hear is oh, that sound. <laughs> you just have them all play at once. And it's like what is that? It's chaos. It's disgusting. It's noise. But then you begin to separate the notes and you give each its own place. You give each its own rhythm, its own time, and its own space. And by organizing notes in that way, you get music. And every now and then, music can get really cool and complex. And they, they take two different notes and blend them in a way to make a harmony. And it's wow, there's some depth there. And so music, we, we call um, people who write music composers and artists. It takes creativity to write music because that's what you're doing is you're creating, you're an artist. Just as God took you know, these elements that were all out of whack and they're chaotic and they're just spread about in Genesis chapter 1. It's 1 verse 2. The, the earth was filled with darkness and it was without form and it was void, it was empty. And the waters cover the surface of the earth and God takes this and begins to speak organization and function and life into it. And suddenly darkness has a place and light has a place now. And water has a place and now land has a place and emptiness has a place and there's, the earth is filled with things here. Everything is now organized and put into its proper place and it's becoming harmonious, it's beginning to work. That is music. Music. Now, the history, I'm going to take us through a a couple songs here in the Bible. Um, It all begins with creation. There is music at creation. Now, we don't see that in Genesis 1. You're not going to read Genesis 1 and say, and God sung creation into existence. But what you do read is in Job chapter 38... And I'll read this to you. Job 38, God is questioning Job. Remember, Job has been suffering. He's like, God, why do you do this? Why do you allow this? And then God turns the table and says, you done talking, Job? He's like, "Ah, I'm done. And God says, my turn. (laughs) Gird up your loins like a man, Job. You're about to speak with me. And Job begins to hear from God all these questions. And God asks Job this. Job 38, verse 4. Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know Job. That's sarcastic, right? He doesn't. Who, uh, or on what were the earth's bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. God's asking Job, where were you when I created all this? And the morning stars sang for joy. And the sons of God shouted for joy. There was something beautiful and creative in the creation process. And if you have read the Chronicles of Narnia, um, you'll know that the way C.S. Lewis portrays the creation of Narnia itself is Aslan is singing and the stars above him are singing. And out of this song comes the trees and the grass and the animals. And that's how Narnia is birthed. And uh, so C.S. Lewis gets that idea here from Job. As, as we see in Job, there was something. There was music. There was something played, something heard in the creation. So that's, that's where we hear first that there's mention of music or of song. The first actual song written in in our bible is run it through in your head do you know test your bible knowledge it's exodus chapter 15 it is just as the red sea closes upon the egyptians that's where it's called the song of moses And it's a whole long chapter, Exodus 15, a lot of words, a lot more than our 15-word songs today. (laughs) It's like a 15-verse song. And Moses is singing this song, and the words are right there, and Miriam is leading the music, and the whole congregation into it. It's a celebration. That's the first song. Do you know where the last written song is in the Bible? That actually calls it a song. There might be another one, but it's in Revelation chapter 15. And there it's called the song of Moses and of the lamb. And there they're singing about God's great deliverance and his righteousness and his justice. And so here we have the song of Moses in the beginning and the song of Moses and Jesus at the end. And those are the, those are the two bookend songs. But unfortunately, the story of music in the Bible isn't that clean It isn't just, yay Moses and yay Jesus. And there's a middle segment that was very dark, very ugly, very hard. And like with Captain Von Trapp, whose song died, the song of Israel too died. It's in Psalm 137, the 137th Psalm, I'm reading three verses. This is what it says. By the waters of Babylon. Where? Waters of Babylon. This is the setting. We've gone through Jeremiah, right? And we know that Jeremiah shows you that the Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, is fallen and Babylon comes in like a flood and takes Israel away and casts them into exile, into Babylon. And there Israel is relocated. They're detached. They're removed from their home. The temple of God has been destroyed and everything looks like the world is over. And as they're sitting in exile in Babylon, this is what Israel says in this Psalter. In Psalm 137, by those waters, the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, that's the mountain Jerusalem is on. And on the willows, there we hung our lyres and their instruments on on the branches of the willows. We we just gave up our music and we hung it on its branches. For there, our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors required mirth, saying, "Sing us one of the songs of Zion." And you can see them enslaved in Babylon. They're foreigners. They're in a the land they don't know with the language they don't know. And the Babylonians are taunting them. Sing of the good days of your homeland. Sing us one of those top songs that you guys heard on the radio out there. Sing your favorites. And as they're weeping and they're broken and they're lost and they're exiled and they don't know who they are and death has come into their life, they're being taunted and saying, sing for joy. And you may have been there before and know what that's like. So how can I possibly sing? I, I have no, there's no song in my heart. It's died. And that's where Israel went. And the song died. We don't see a song in the Bible again. Until the sound of music breaks into Luke chapter 1 and 2. The sound of Christmas. This is what Luke is doing here. This is why we read four passages from Luke as he floods into the Christmas story. Song after song after song after song. First, it's Mary. She's told that she's going to be delivering the Christ child. And she's visiting Elizabeth and and they they have this exchange we read about, and then Mary bursts out. My soul magnifies the Lord. And in church history, traditionally, we, we don't, um, we're not fond of Latin, but, you know, the, the Latin, they've, they've called this song the Magnificat. I think I say that right. I don't know. I was raised in Calvary Chapel, so... <laughs> So there's the, mag- <laughs> there's the Magnificat, and that's, that's basically um, magnify. That's, that's magnify in Latin, because that's how the song starts. So we have song number one, and then Luke brings in song number two, which has traditionally been called the Benedictus. And that's Zachariah, as he sees his child, John the Baptist, born, and he sees what God is going to do through John the Baptist. He's going to be the forerunner, the messenger of Jesus, the savior of the world. And he's like, wow, this baby, this is the prophets and the prophecies and the promises of God are coming true. And he bursts forth into a song, the Benedictus. And then the angels come to shepherds at night. Night, of course, it's so fitting. The bleak, dark, weary moment of night where it seems like there's going to be no day. And the angels burst in with their light and their heavenly glory. And they begin to sing, glory to God in the highest. And that, of course, has been traditionally called the Gloria in Excelsis. And then, some time later, as Jesus is brought to the temple... That man Simeon who had been waiting for the Messiah, he holds Jesus into his arms and he too bursts into song. A song traditionally called the Nunc Dimittis. Do you think Luke makes his point clear? There are choruses, there is singing, there is joy. The song that died. The harps and the, and the guitars and the instruments that were hung on the willows in Babylon have been taken back off and put into people's hands. And a song is being played again. The song that died is resurrected in the birth of this baby Jesus. Music has returned to the earth. The earth is alive with the sound of Christmas. And therefore, it is at Christmas that the song of heaven interrupts the silence of earth. Heaven never stopped singing. Heaven's song kept going while on earth, man hung his instruments and wadded up his compositions. Heaven kept singing, and with Jesus, heaven pierced the silence and brought Music back. In uh, Zephaniah chapter three, we're told that God is singing over us. It says Zep- Zephaniah three, fourteen. Listen to this. Remember, this is why Israel's their song has died and they're in exile. He's telling them, "Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O Israel! Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem! Because the Lord has taken away the judgments against you; He has cleared away your enemies." The king of Israel, Yahweh, is in your midst, you shall never again fear. He's in your midst, and in through Jesus, right? So we call Emmanuel, God with us, in our midst, present amongst us. And on that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak, because Yahweh your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. That is what heaven does. Even when your song dies, even when you're in the midst of loss and you have hung up your music on the willows of Babylon as well. Heaven's song continues and it keeps ringing through. And in Jesus, we hear heaven's window open just for a minute and the flood of the song of heaven comes pouring down upon us. And we hear that God the whole time never gave up, but he's always singing over our lives. He's always singing. The song keeps going and we are the ones who sometimes stop hearing it. And Luke is saying, stop, listen. In Jesus, the earth is alive with the sound of Christmas. And that's why Paul, in Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16, this is twice, that means it's important. He tells the church to do this. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Amen. Do it, church. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs because heaven's song is broken in and we've heard it and we know it. The song hasn't died, but there's a reason to sing. There's a reason to live. There's a reason to celebrate and joy indeed reigns here. So, church, sing And let the voice tune itself with heaven's song. It's about us being tuned with it. It has come and it has shown us what it sounds like and what it looks like and how to play it. Jesus has given us the sheet music. (laughs) The sheet music. You can cheat. You can look at it. You can tune yourself to it. You can follow it. You don't have to memorize this by heart or just kind of feel it or figure it out. It's there. And he's come to be the way. And to say, sing this way and be with heaven's song. That's what Luke is saying, that here heaven's song is interrupted; it is pierced into earth's silence, and now the earth is alive with love, with joy, with peace, with the sound of Christmas. So, what I've done is um, these are scattered around on some seats. You probably just pushed aside, thought, "I wonder you saving that seat." Don't tell them I moved it. <laughs> this is called a hymn book. Um, they used to use these <laughs> once upon a time. <laughs> I wanted to show you, a couple, capture what I'm saying in some of the Christmas songs for us. The first is number 154. So at the top of each page is a number. I don't know. Do, I, do you guys know how to use hymn books? I don't know. I kind of had to figure it out, you know. <laughs> number 154. Angels we have heard on high... Now, my job here isn't to lead us into singing. We can do that after, but I have immense... You can see that this book is actually tabbed in a few places. I've been enriched by just reading the hymns, even though I know the melody of some of them. Just reading it, the words stick out. Because sometimes, you know, the melodies, it is kind of like you gloss over it. You're like, I don't know what a hark or what a herald angel is. Who's herald? Why is he an angel? (laughs) What does it even mean to hark? Is that like angel bark or something? Is that the way they communicate? (laughs) So sometimes you just need to like sit back and read it. And here's angels we have heard on high, number 154. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing over the plains. And the mountains, here's the earth, the mountains in reply, they're singing back. They're echoing their joyous strains. And of course, Gloria in excelsis Deo. And I... Didn't Google this, but I think Gloria in Excelsis' tale means glory to God uh, in the highest. So, Or I think literally Gloria to the most high God. Um, then verse 2, shepherds, why this jubilee? What's up with this? What's happened? Why your joyous strains prolong? Say what may the tidings be which inspire your heavenly song. Glory to God in the highest. Verse 3. Come to Bethlehem and see him, him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn king. Glory to God in the highest. Verse four, see within a manger laid, Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth. Mary, Joseph, lend your aid and with us sing our Savior's birth. Angels we have heard on high is all about singing. About Christmas. 156, it's just over. 156, God rest, you merry gentlemen. The first verse only. Um, God rest, you merry gentlemen. That's not the one I want to read. There it is, 158. There it is, hark of the herald angels sing. You know, hark means listen. A, a herald is a messenger. That's what I was saying. Listen to the messenger angels. Listen to what they're singing. So hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild because God and sinners are reconciled joyful all you nations rise and join the triumph sing along of the skies with the angelic host proclaim so join with them in this song that christ is born in bethlehem so hark listen to the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king christ verse two by highest heaven adored christ the everlasting lord late in time behold him come offspring of the virgin's wound, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the Trinity, the incarnate deity, excuse me, pleased with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. I didn't mean to read that verse. And then 161, it came upon the midnight clear. 161, it came upon The midnight clear, that glorious song of old. Where did it come from? From angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. The very harps Israel laid on the willow trees. Peace on earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious king. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the sound of Christmas. The angels sing, verse two, still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled and still their heavenly music floats over all the weary world. Above its sad and lowly plains, so the world's sad and lowly plains, they bend on hovering wing and ever over its babble sounds. Babel that that is what Babylon is that's a chaotic sound the blessed angels sing they're singing into the babel chaos verse 3 and you beneath life's crushing load whose forms are bending low who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. For lo, verse four, the days are hasting on by prophets seen of old. With them the ever circling years shall come the time foretold when, what time foretold when, the new heaven and earth shall own the Prince of Peace their king and the whole world send back the song which now the angels sing. This the whole thing, listen to the song and then give it back. And that's what it looks like when the Prince of Peace is ruling on his earth. And so this is my question for us. Where are we? Are you sitting underneath the instruments hanging on a weeping willow and sitting, staring gloomily into the waters of Babylon? Is that where you are? Or, or are you like a shepherd in the field and you're listening and you're seeing this and your heart can't help but to join heaven's song. It's not wrong to be at Babylon right now. That happens in life. But if you're there, what I need you to know is that God has not stopped singing and you will once again, and I pray now, you will once again hear heaven's song and you too will be like a shepherd and rejoice with the angels. And if you do have a choice over the matter and you've just been, you know how we get, just rah, 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 in-laws are coming and, you know. (laughs) That's what I hear at least. I don't know. Um, You know, the pressures of all this, got to please and, oh my gosh, I'm three gifts down and did you see Target yesterday? It was chaos and all this stuff like, um, I'm inviting you. To a Christmas that hears. I'm inviting you to the sound of Christmas. To let the earth around you be alive. To let the silent earth be interrupted with heaven's song. That's Christmas. So to stop. And if that's all you can do, fine. But at least stop. And to listen. And if that's all you can do, fine. But listen. And hopefully sing. Amen. To stop, to listen, to sing. I, I know, I know, I know. Oh, my voice isn't that great. <laughs> I'm not really a singing type. And usually people furrow their brows when they say that. Unfurrow them. Relax. We're meant to sing. Singing is the unloading of the soul. It puts the weight and burdens of life on wings, through the mouth and out and away. Paul told the church to sing because we're between the song of Christmas Luke is describing and the song of Revelation coming at the end. We're to sing our way between both songs. So I know Richard is, and the team are coming up now, and they're going to do uh, their closing songs. And you know what? Sing. <laughs> but you might also need to, for a moment, reflect. Listen. It's not wrong to listen, because I said if you can't get to singing, at least stop and listen. But if you can sing, sing. This is about hearing Christmas and our song, our, our our sung voice is our way of participating with heaven's song. And you know, I promise you, well maybe I shouldn't promise you, but I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that if we let go and if we hear the song and sing it, we will feel lighter. We'll feel more peaceful. We will know the joy. So I hope you guys hear it. I hope that if in the middle of a stressful family function, we can be bonded through singing around a piano or a caroling book or by going down door to door singing. Something happens when we sing together. Are we willing to? I hope that if our Christmas is alone, and yeah, that is definitely sitting by Babylon's waters and weeping, I pray that you would at least be able to hear what God is singing over you tonight. But let's not be grouchy or bothered or just... Irritated by things that can happen when things happen in your house at Christmas <laughs> or another person's house, which is sometimes worse because you're not at home. Um, but in all of that, let heaven's song carry you and join it. It's okay to sing to yourself, to invite people to sing. Mike does not have a great voice, but he leads us in song. Well, he's, he says that. Hold on, hold on. He says that. <laughs> He, he calls it the key of M, which is several notes out of the scale. goes A to F, and he does M. E, e, F, G, A to G, excuse me. Um, so, you know, wherever you're, you know, wherever you are on the scale, heaven is big enough to fit it. So, all right, let, let, us, let us hear the sound of Christmas and let us join in with the song of Christmas. And um, I've talked enough, so go ahead, guys.